Kevin darf nun anfangen mit Aleph ein Bett. Content or Character, Migu und Meishi Vaveda. So, now, particularly in our days, we are so bombarded with content from, from varieties of sources, from a diverse range of sources in every area. This is in Torah as well as in, in the general area. And, and the content with which we're bombarded is not ranked in terms of its, of its relative authority. Uh, you'll get some child who wrote an essay at, uh, at high school and a great professor, and, and you'll get them quoted in, on Google, and you won't, and, unless you know who's who, they have equal ranking. Uh, or they might have equal ranking, and totally the same thing. You, you see somebody quote a, a current Magid Shir in a, in a yeshiva, and you see him quote a, an Achrin or a Rishoin, uh, and whether it's the Rashbo or it's Reb Chaim Ozegrudzinski or it's a Rosh Hashiva that lives down the road, they're not ranked. You don't get a sense of of the authority of the content that one is studying. And so we have to make our own judgments about about authority. And there are two ways to make judgments about authority. Either we rely on our ability to analyze the content and to reach our con conclusions based on the content and to say. Uh, this this content I'm willing to rely on, whether it's a news item or it's an academic item or it's a general interest item or it's a terror item, it's all the same. Uh, you can, you, how will you even know? You look on 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 Google and and you'll see something written by a reformer or a conservative rabbi next to something written by a Godel be Israel. And and if one doesn't have some kind of a sense of the balance, so either you've got to be able to look at the content and say. This is nonsense, nonsense, or this is superficial, or this is trivial, whereas this is weighty. Or you've got to know who the author is and, and weigh it up in terms of the, uh, the character and the expertise of the author. Those are the two ways we have to be able to do it. But we have to do that ourselves, and that's a skill that should be taught in schools and in yeshivas, is, is how to rank, how to rank authorities, because it's not, it's not done automatically. Uh, and with, with that, we'll understand this most magnificent sugya that starts at the big, at the bottom of Nunalaf and Aleph and goes the whole way of Nunalaf and Bez. It's a sugya that we had in Ksubis, but we didn't do a matwan on it, and we'll have it again in Bavakama and in Shvuas. Um, just a, it's, it's one of these shas sugyot, and it's a, it's just it's astonishingly beautifully constructed and finely reasoned. I spent almost the whole of yesterday on it and, and the early hours of, of this morning, and it's just, it, it's just phenomenally beautiful. Uh, and I'll share some of that with you in, in understanding the sugya and in seeing through the sugya this idea of the two ways of being able to rank credibility. It starts with a posik in Kitetse that is us, that obligates us to return lost property. That if you see your shorachich or serachich and didachim, your, and your friends' cattle are wandering around, uh, you're not allowed to ignore them. Hashev teshivem laachicha, you've got to return it to your brother. A second posuk in Parshas Mishpotim, al kol devar pesha, al shor, al chamor, al se, al salama, al kol aveda, on any matter of criminality related to lost property, where you found lost property, you didn't return it, or you deny having found it, or it's a picadon that's been given to you in security. Where, you, where the, the defendant says to the claimant, this is the only thing I'm admitting to you. 
then other Elohim yavod dvar shnehem asher yashir Elohim yeshalem shnayim lereiu says Rashi what that means is lelamed shein mechayvin oto shvua elaim kein hodeve miktzat. This is where we learn the principle of moedeh b'miktzat from. If somebody claims from me, and and I acknowledge a portion of the claim, but not all the claim, I have to take an oath that that it's only this part that I'm obligated to pay you, not the other. A man says. Uh, you owe me a thousand. I say, look, a thousand. I don't owe you either. I've already paid you back five hundred, or I never borrowed five hundred from you, or I never found your your thousand dollars. I found five hundred of your dollars. Whatever the case, if I'm acknowledging the liability of less than the whole, that's called a modeba mikzat. I'm ex- I'm acknowledging partial liability, and I've got to make a shvu. I've got to take an oath on the balance. Um, and and that we learn from this pasuk in Mishpatim. The Mishnah on Daf Memchet in our Gemara said that Hamotzi Mitzia Lo Yishava. When it comes to lost property, we don't apply Shvot. If you, if you, a person claims that you found his lost property, uh, or you acknowledge, you you come along and you say, "I found five hundred dollars, and I think it's yours." And the other person says, "Thank you very much, but it was a, there was a thousand dollars in that envelope, not not five hundred. Do you have to take a Shvot? Do you now have to swear and say?" No, I, I swear that it was only 500 and I'm not obligated to take the other 500. So the Mishnah says we, there are no Shavuot for Motziah and Metziah, so as not to discourage people from bringing the Metziah back. A person sees lost property and thinks, you know what, what am I going to get involved for? I'll bring the lost property, I'll bring the $500, he'll claim a thousand, I'll have to take a Shavuot. Let me just leave it alone and not bring it back. That's the, that's the Mishnah. Then the, the Gemara goes through, and I can only summarize it, um, uh, and again, I encourage the people who, who are listening and, and watching the, the Shur to download sources if you want to get into the into the Shurim and really really get them. And again, on the Rabbi David Lappin app, they're available. They're all, all the sources are there in the source folder. Uh, and on the podcast, in the description of the podcast, there's a link to the PDF that you can, that you can download. On YouTube, there isn't yet a link to, to the PDF. Um, so the, the Gemara, I quote the whole Gemara here, but I'm just going to give it to you briefly. We bring a view of Rabbi Yitzchak, who gives a case of Mode B'miktzat in Metziah, in a case where in, in finding lost property, a, a person acknowledges less than the other person claims should have been there. And in that case, Rabbi Yitzchak says there's a, there is a shvua, he has to take an oath. Ask the Gemara, Does Rabbi Yitzchak not hold of the Mishnah? that says that, that with, with Metziah, we don't obligate a person to take a Shavuah. So the Gemara answers that he holds like Rabbi Leza ben Yaakov, who holds, uh, Rabbi Leza ben Yaakov's view is that if somebody's claiming it from you, that's not called Meshiva Veda. If somebody's claiming, Meshiva Veda is you volunteer, I found something and you bring it forward. So then there's no Shavuah. But if somebody's claiming it from you and said, I understand you found my, my $1,000 and you're saying it was only 500 that's not the same as Meshiva Veda and you do make a, make a Shavuah. And the Gemara goes backwards and forwards and says there's a, there's a machlokis between Rabbi Lozab and Yaakov and the Chachomim. And the machlokis revolves around the principle of Rabbah. And it's the principle of Rabbah that we focus on. This is the Shas principle, the Omar Rabbah. Rabbah said, Why did the Torah say that the only time to make a shvu is if you acknowledge part of it? As Torah learns, if, if you deny everything, there's no shvu, and that's Xerah Sakatuv. If a person comes to you and says, you owe me $1,000, and you say, I don't know what you're talking about. 
Or he says, you found, I understand you found my wallet with a thousand dollars in it. Have you got my wallet? And you say, I don't know what you're talking about. No shvua. There's no earth. That's called kofer bakol. You deny the entire claim. Nobody has witnesses. And uh, there's no shvua. You don't have to make an oath. But if you acknowledge partially, you do have to take an oath. What's the reason for that? Why is the Gemara asking what's the reason for that? So there's a difference here, and this is what's important, between how Rashi learns and how Tosfus learns. Rashi says what Rabbi is asking is, this should be the same as the din of Meshiv Aveda. What's the principle of Meshiv Aveda? A person volunteers. He, does, he, he could have just ignored it. He could have kept the $1,000 or the $500, or he could have left it lying on the bench where he saw it. But he picked it up and he took the trouble to bring it to the owner. So we don't penalize him with a, with, with a, a shivuah, with an, an oath. It was great that he did that. We take what he did, what he gave us. And in this case too, says Rashi, the fact that I'm acknowledging partial when I could have just de denied the whole thing, the fact that I'm acknowledging partial is, is volu volunteered information. You come along and say, you owe me $1,000. I could have said, I don't know what you're talking about. End of the case. But I didn't. I said, you know, it's not a thousand, but it is five hundred. That's like Meshiv Aveda. That's a case of Meshiv Aveda. Is how Rashi learns it in uh, in Bova Metzia on Daf Gimel, where the sugya appears as well. Tosfos says it, it's a migu. What what Rabbah is concerned about is uh, why why is a Meshiv He should be believed. Why does he have to take a shvur? He should be believed with a migu. What is a migu? A migu is a principle we have all over all over Shas, particularly when in matters of, of claimants of, of monetary claims. Amigu is, if you were lying, you could have told a better lie. So we assume you're not lying. Uh, that, that's the idea of Amigu. So this says, that's what Rabba's talking about. Why isn't there Amigu here? He could have denied everything. And instead, he, he volunteered the, 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 the 500. So they're quite meticulous. Both Rashi, here, I bring the Rashi at the bottom of the first page. Why don't we consider him a Meshiv Aveda? Tosfus says, both in Bova Metzia and in, on our page, Why isn't he believed with a Migu that he could have denied everything? And, and the Gemara says that this isn't a Migu. And it's not a Meshiv Aveda, however you learn. Why not? So we go back to our Gemara. Explains Rabbah. Because Chazaka en Adam meiz panav We have a Chazaka, it's human nature. That a person finds it difficult to blatantly deny a claim of a friend or of another person. Uh, the person says, you owe me $1,000. If he did borrow the $1,000 to say, I don't know what you're talking about. Not many people have the chutzpah. Well, there are people that have the chutzpah, but there's a chazoka. We can assume that a person wouldn't say that. To say uh, $500, yes, a thousand not, and, and you know, he'll figure out what to do with the other $500 maybe. But to deny outright, that goes against human nature. Rashi says, because the person did you a favor, you borrow, he lent you money. To go to the person who did you the favor and deny the favor, that's something that's against human nature. So it says it's not about denying the favor, it's just confronting a person who knows you're lying. You'll lie if the other person isn't quite sure whether it's true or whether it's a lie. But when you know that the other person knows the facts for sure, it's against human nature to go to the other person and tell a blatant lie in his face. That's the Chazoche in Adam Ezpon of Therefore, says the Gemara. 
there's no migu and there's no meshiva This is not a, a, a voluntary act. The man comes along and says, you owe me a thousand. So what do we want to say? If I wanted to lie, I could have said, I don't know what you're talking about. Says the Gemara, says Rabbi, no, I couldn't say that. It's against my nature to say that. I don't have that option. If I want to deny, all I'm likely to do is to say, eh, I know you're 500, not 1,000. But it isn't in the realm of possibility for human nature to say, for most people, to say, I owe you nothing. And therefore, it isn't Meshiv Aveda. Meshiv Aveda is, you wouldn't have known anything had I not come to you and volunteered. But here, you, you're claiming 1,000 from me. I'm, you, do, you know the facts. I'm not going to deny that, that this, that I'm not going to deny it. Therefore, I have to admit that I owe you something. And therefore, this is not Meshiv Aveda. This is not considered Meshiv Aveda. That's the principle of Rabba, and the Gemara goes into it and very spectacularly. What I want to touch on is an amazing piece of, of, of the Steipler. The Steipler, as you, as you know, was the, the leader of the yeshivish world until he died in 1985. He was a brother-in-law of the Chazon Ish. But he was a, he was a Godel Batorah before that. He came to Israel in 1935. But before that, already in Eastern Europe, he was a, a, a Rosh Hashiva and a Godel Batorah, and he had published for him, uh, a very, very great man. Um, uh, I, I met with him when I was a Yeshiva Bocher. It was an, a, an amazing experience, as you can imagine. Uh, and he was deaf, so you couldn't speak to him. He could speak to you, but you couldn't speak to him. You had to write down what you wanted to know or the brocha you wanted, you had to write down, which in itself was an interesting exercise in being concise. And then he would read your notes and he would answer, and he would answer you. And the awareness of the man's gadlut betorah and, and, and kedusha, you just, you, you just felt that he was Chaim Kanievsky's father. Chaim Kanievsky died about a year ago, or a little bit more than that. Uh, this was Chaim Kanievsky's father, the Stipler, because he came from a town called Horner Stipel. So he was called the Stipler. Horner Stipel is near the famous Chernobyl, near Kiev, which is in the news at the moment, all that part of the world. And he lived in Bnei Brak. But as, as great as that moment was of, of meeting late at night, with, among others, hundreds of other people standing in line, meeting the Stipler, learning with him this morning was a much greater experience. Uh, and, and seeing how his mind works and seeing his understanding and seeing his humanity and seeing his depth in this piece of Gomorrah. And in a piece in Bova Basra, the Stipler defends the, um, uh, uh, the, the, the Rosh asks a, 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 a massive question um, and, and, and he answers it and, and deals with it uh, in defending the Rimigash. The Rimigash, the the Talmud of the Rif, we've often spoken about him, the Rebbe of the Rambam, the founder of the Shiva system in Spain, using the Rif's teaching that then generated the Rashbo and the Ritvo and the Ra'o and all those, the Ramban that we have, that we have today. It was all a, 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 a result, a spin-off of the work that, um, that, that he did there. And the Rosh challenges him and the Steipler defends him and answers him. And in order to, to answer him, he explains the difference between Migu and Hashovas Aveda. What is the difference? Rashi says it's because of Hashovas Aveda. Tosfa says it's because of Migu. It's kind of the same sort of thing. In both cases, the idea is I, I didn't have to volunteer. I could have kept quiet. I could have told a better lie. Is this a Migu? Is this Hashovas Aveda? What's the difference? It doesn't make a huge difference in the sugya, but it does make a big difference in dealing with the, uh, the Machlokis Rosh and Rimigash. 
and, and in explaining the Rimigash, which we're not going to go into now, all that I want to focus on is his understanding of the difference. He says, when it comes to Amigu, Amigu says nothing about the character of the individual. It simply tells us this statement that he's making is probably true. Because if it were a lie, he could have told a better lie. It doesn't tell us that he's a tzaddik. So all it tells us is by analyzing the statement and saying he could have denied everything. And if he would have denied everything, it would have been important. So we must assume that what he's saying now is, is true. Is it true because he's a tzaddik? No, it's true because the circumstance of his defense, of his claim, is one that leads us to believe that the claim is valid. Not so with Hashovah Saveda. He says in the Hashovah Saveda, um, In a case of Hashovah Saveda, why are you returning the lost property? You're doing a mitzvah. Why aren't you telling a bigger lie? Because you won't tell a lie. Hashovah Saveda is a statement about the character of the person. A Meshiv Aveda, somebody who returns the lost property of another person. That's somebody who cares about other people. It's somebody who cares about being honest and being truthful. That tells us about the person, whereas a Migu tells us about the statement, not about the person. A liar, a crook, and a thief sometimes says honest things. If you ask the liar, the crook and the thief, what's the time? And he says, two o'clock, he might be telling the truth. Doesn't mean it's a lie because he's a thief. It means he's not, he's not always reliable. So you've got to analyze each thing he says. And where there's a migu, you can say, I'm assuming this is true. But a meshiv aveda, that's talking about, that's a certain type of a person. And a person who's a meshiv aveda says the zu. How? Because of this admission that he says from a position of Yirat Shemaim, are we going to accuse him of stealing the balance? And because of his voluntary admission, because of his tzitkus, we're going to make him take a shvua al And then the Gemara says, No, it's not Yerushalayim. The reason he didn't deny everything is because it's against human nature to deny everything. It's not because he's a tzaddik. But where you can say it's because he's a tzaddik, where he really could have and should have and would have denied everything, but chose not to do so, that's because of the Yerushalayim of the person. And that uh, affirms the idea that we started off with, that when you've got to assess the reliability of of a statement, of content, of, of something that somebody says. The two ways of doing it is, is there a migu? Is there any evidence from within the content that this is valid and this is accurate? Who are the quotes? Do you, do you check where it's quoted from? Do you check reliability? What else has, has been said in this piece that gives you a sense that what is being said is true and accurate? You've got to work it out yourself and say, I'm willing to rely on this piece of content, although I don't know who the author is. But the other way is to say, this is a Meshiv Aveda. This is a person of stature. This is a person of, of greatness. This is a person of integrity. And I can take what he says. I don't have to analyze so carefully. The Vilna Gon says in the beginning of Mishle that the reason Mishle starts off with Mishle, the Shlomo ben David, that says that uh, he, he starts off saying who the author is. And the Vilna Gon says, you need to know who the author is before you learn a Sefer. If the, the author is a great person, invest a lot of effort in understanding what he says, even if you've got questions, because you, there's authority in the character of the author. If there's authority in the character of the author, then give it the respect that it's due. If there's no authority in the character of the author, then you've got to work it out yourself. 
Reb Shimon Shkop writes in his introduction to Shara Yosha the same thing. Don't learn my sefer if you're not willing to assign authority to me sufficiently that you'll put in the effort to understand what I'm saying and not just reject the first time you've got a question. It's really important for us to rank the content that we're consuming in terms not only of the competence and the expertise of the writer, but also in terms of the character, the stature, and the integrity of the person we're learning from.